Welcome to today's podcast with Crosspoint Church, where we share the gospel and we share our lives. With so many fun and new exciting things going on at church, we want you to be in the loop. So make sure that you check out our Facebook page and that you check out our website at www.crosspointwaverly.com. And now for today's message. We are continuing our series called The Building Blocks of Faith. In the first week, we talked about how Christ is our firm foundation. And if Christ is our foundation, he will be our priority, he'll be our purpose, and he'll be our passion. Jesus talked about that the wise builder builds his house on the rock. And when the rain falls, when the floods come, when the wind blows, the house will stand. He goes on to talk about the foolish builder. A foolish builder is someone who builds on the sand, and when the rain falls, when the floods come, and when the wind blows, the house is destroyed. Metaphorically speaking, in the New Testament, uh, we see that Jesus is our rock. He is our firm foundation, and so when our house of faith is built on him, then the house will stand. When we talk about the building blocks of faith, I don't know about you, I'm pretty sure I know this about you, but I want a faith that endures. I want the next generation to have a faith that endures. I want to pastor a church in such a way that it inspires all of you to come and to have an enduring faith. Right, when I think about 100 years from now and 200 years from now and 300 years from now, if the Lord tarries to think that our great, 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 whatever grandchildren would still be worshiping Jesus together, right? That doesn't happen if we don't build our house of faith on the firm foundation of Jesus. Last week, we talked about the building block of togetherness. Our faith is not meant to be an individual sport, it's meant to, to be lived out together. And so we saw in Acts chapter two that the apostles and, and the believers gathered daily. They gathered daily to listen to the apostles' teaching. They gathered daily for fellowship and breaking of bread and prayers. And there's a recognition that, uh, that in this day and age, and even back then corporately, this isn't sustainable to do uh, every day over an extended amount of time. But now more than ever, we need more connection and less isolation. And so while we can't come together daily for all of those things, we can meet with God daily. If you've not signed up for a small group yet, I would encourage you to do so. And again, on this QR code right here, it'll take you to all of the information about small groups. And let me just break it down for you, for those of you who are like, what are the different offerings that are there? When you click on small groups, you will see men of iron small groups. Those are some small groups that are just for men. You'll see sisterhood small groups. Those are small groups that are just for women. In addition to that, there are some classes that are being offered and there are some sermon-based small groups. There is literally something for everybody. And so I would encourage you, even now, if you want to, in fact, I don't care if all you get out of this message is that you scan the QR code and went down the rabbit trail of selecting which small group that you're gonna be part of. Today, if that's all you took away, it would be well worth it to me. So I won't judge you. I won't call you out if you're staring at your phone the whole time during the message today, if it you signing up for a small group. That's how much I believe in it. And so it would encourage you to, be, to get signed up and be a part of those. If you've missed any of the messages over the past few weeks, we'd encourage you to go online to crosspointwaverly.com, find us on Facebook or YouTube, or take a listen on Spotify and catch up. 
Today we're going to look at three uh, chunks of scripture. And if you're taking notes, the first passage that we're going to look at today is 1 Corinthians chapter 3, beginning with verse number 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse number 9. Paul, in his letter to the church in Corinth, wrote in verse number 9 that we are God's fellow workers, we are God's field, and we are God's building. For we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field and God's building. In verse number 10, according to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master, I laid a foundation and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest for the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that everyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him, for God's temple is holy and you are that temple. Let's pray this morning. God, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for the power that it has to transform our lives. God, we ask that over the next few moments that we would sense a demonstration of your spirit's power. Would you make your word come alive to us? Open up our ears to hear, our hearts to receive, and our minds to understand what you would have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Verse number nine says that we are God's fellow workers. We are God's field. We are God's building. And God is the architect of that building, and he's also the owner. There are two ideas that, that come to, uh, when it comes to the building of our faith, and it's the individual and collective. Paul talks about and makes a case for both. In the passage that we've just read, Paul is making a case for the collective faith. But later in this same chapter, in, in, excuse me, in the same book, in chapter 6, he writes about the individual. In verse number 19, he says, Or do you not know? that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God. You are not your own, for you were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. There's a both and, an individual faith and a collective faith. And the foundation is the same for both. That only makes sense that the foundation would be the same for both as our individual faith is built on Christ, our foundation. And as individuals, as we come together as a body of Christ, then our, the body's foundation is also built on Christ. The owner and the architect are same. For those of you who have ever been part of building something from scratch, you know the process. Before we bought this building, we were in a leased facility. We didn't know what God was going to have for us next. And so we were looking at the possibility of buying ground and building a building. And so we met with Rob Stenslin from Modern Design. And we shared with him some of the desires that we had, some of the needs that we had as a church. And in that meeting, we talked about, well, we need a space to gather, like an auditorium where we can come and and worship. We need classrooms for the kids so that they can meet. We need a gathering area so before and after service, people can spend time with one another and, and just talked about the different needs that we had. And then it was his role as the architect to take our desires as the owner 
and put them on a piece of paper that would work, that would meet code, that would function the way that we needed it to function, and that the traffic of the building would flow. The partnership in that is what we wanted. We could be done, and what we wanted was mapped out onto those plans that would have been given to subcontractors. A plumber would have been given a copy of these architectural drawings. The electrician would have been given the drawings. The framers would have been given the drawings. And all of these plans would be given to each of these subcontractors to accomplish the dream and the goal of the owner that was drawn up by the architect. And so with those plans, then now a plumber doesn't show up to the job site and say, I think we need a bathroom right in the middle of the auditorium. Right, the electrician doesn't show up and say, we're going to install all of the light fixtures in one corner of the building and leave the rest of the building dark. Instead, they had to work the plan, otherwise chaos and destruction would ensue. When we look at the architectural plans for individuals building a faith, when we look at the architectural plans for the faith of the church, God is the owner and he's the architect. He knows what he wants and he's designed it and knows what works. All we have to do is work the plan. When we see the metaphor in verse number nine that we are his fields, right? We're his workers, we're his fields. He expects a return. And we'll get the highest yield when we follow his plan. He then writes that we are God's building. And he's the owner and the architect of that building. When he's drawn up the plans of our individual faith in the faith community, we call that his church. And those plans reflect that Christ is at the foundation of our individual faith and of our collective faith. And Paul wrote in verse number 11 that no one can build a lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. If your individual faith or the faith community is built on anything else besides Jesus, it will crumble. Toby Mac is a famous Christian recording artist and his son overdosed on drugs several years ago. And he wrote this song called Cornerstone in the midst of that loss. And I was watching a video this week of where that song came about. And he said, at the funeral service, remembering his son's life, he said, I looked at my family and said, we'll be moving forward, building on the rock. We will be moving forward, building on the rock. He goes on to say, we're not going to build on uh, prescription drugs or alcohol. He said, we won't build on being a victim. We will build on the rock. And there's a lyric in that song that says, you are the only rock. I will stand on you. You are my cornerstone. In the midst of joy and in the midst of tribulation, Christ is our firm foundation. Christ is our firm foundation. Paul wrote that he laid the foundation of Christ and that someone else is building on that The Corinthians were the ones who were building on it. Remember, he said that you are his worker. And so who's building on that firm foundation today? I would say you are. We are. We're building on that firm foundation. We go back to verse number nine where Paul wrote that we are God's fellow workers, we are God's field, and we are God's building. The Corinthians were workers that were building their faith in the faith community on the foundation of Christ. In verse number 10, he writes, let each one take care how he builds upon that foundation. There are some things that don't build up the house of faith. And later in the passage, he actually warns that there are things that destroy the house of faith. And he warns those who try to destroy the house of faith. 
He warns us to take caution as we take care of how we build our faith upon the foundation individually and collectively. And in verse 16, he asked this question that I want you to think about today. He asked them, do you know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? Do you know that you are God's temple and God's spirit dwells in you? Corinth was filled with temples dedicated to various divinities. A temple is a space that's dedicated or set apart to one or more deities, and that such a place is presumed to be under the protection of that God or goddess. As followers of Jesus, we've been set apart to be to be buildings for the Holy Spirit to reside in us. And in verse number six, chapter six, he addresses that our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And now, and Paul is saying that the gathering of Christians is now God's temple. This would have been revolutionary teaching. The focus of the Jews would have been gathering at the temple and would have been the only place that they could meet with God. And now Paul's saying that wherever you come together to gather in the name of Jesus, to uplift the name of Jesus, that's where the temple and the Holy Spirit resides. And now Paul is basically saying, as you gather, and so if that's 215 3rd Street Northwest, or if that's some other other address, as we gather together, that's where we can meet Jesus. Verse number 11, he says, no other foundation. And in verse number 12, he says, what the house is built out of matters because verse 13 says, it's gonna be tested. It's gonna be tested. The one whose work endures will receive a reward. The person's faith who endures will receive a reward. This is why it's so important for us to build on the solid rock of Christ. It's important that we select and we use the correct building materials I don't know about you, but I don't want to just get the job done. I want to get the job done right. As we think about building this faith community, I want to build something that endures. To borrow the illustration that we used a couple of weeks ago of the the nursery rhyme of the three little pigs, I don't want the wolf to come or I don't want the enemy of our soul to come and huff and puff and blow anyone's faith down. Verse 15 says, if anyone's work is burned up, he'll suffer loss though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. As we preach, as we teach, as we lead small groups, as we have faith conversations with one another, we have to share the whole gospel. We preach and we teach and we lead small groups to have faith conversations that are for holiness and against sin. We call people out of sin and into life. We call people out of darkness and into the light. We don't shy away from this because we know that the word of God is true and that God is faithful. And he says that if we confess our sins to him, that he's faithful and just to forgive us. So in order for this work to succeed and to receive the reward, our faith has to be built on the foundation of Christ. Last week, we talked about the building block of togetherness with with each other. And today I want to talk about the building block of, of being empowered by the Spirit. Last week, we looked at what happened after the day of Pentecost. Specifically, they gathered daily for the apostles' teaching, for fellowship, for breaking of bread, and for prayers. And today is like a movie with multiple parts, but a couple parts into that movie, there's a prequel. And so that's what we're going to do today. We're going to take the remainder of our time to go back to the beginning of Acts chapter 1, look at some passages there, and then go to the beginning of Acts chapter 2. Jesus, after his crucifixion uh, and, and death, has presented himself alive to the apostles after his resurrection. 
Luke chapter 1, verse number 4, records the words of Jesus. It says, while staying with them, he, Jesus, ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. These believers were told by Jesus before he ascended into heaven to wait in Jerusalem for this new experience with the Holy Spirit that they had never had. And in verse number five, Jesus says that John baptized with water. And he's not saying that we shouldn't baptize with water anymore. It's still a tremendous ordinance of the church. And we'd encourage you to get water baptized. If you haven't been water baptized, take the QR code, scan it, and select that you want to get water baptized. It can happen at the end of this service if you want. It can happen Wednesday, next Sunday, whatever time works for you. But he's continuing. He says, you're going to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus continues and says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. The day of Pentecost, as we read about in Acts chapter 2 and verse 4, is, is a unique and, a, and something unique and something supernatural happened. And so while their specific circumstances differ from ours, the Holy Spirit is still baptizing people today and we still need him. We need the power of the Spirit now more than ever to be his witnesses. Acts chapter 2 records specifically what happened. It says, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind and it filled the entire house where they were sitting Divided tongues of fire appeared to them and rested on each of them. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. People had come together for the Feast of Pentecost. People from different regions, different language groups. And now all of a sudden, they're hearing others declare the works and the majesty of God in a language that's not their, their mother tongue. And yet they're understanding, uh, others who that is their mother tongue are understanding that. Some accused them of being drunk and Peter spoke up in this moment. This is the same guy that denied Jesus three different times, but he's been forgiven. He's been uh, baptized in the Holy Spirit and, uh, and power has come upon him to be God's witness. And he begins to boldly preach. In Acts chapter 2, verse number 14, it says, But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. I'll show wonders in the heavens above, and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor and smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness, and the moon to blood, before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. For us to have an enduring faith, for us to lead others to have an enduring faith, we need the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. 
When it comes to the Holy Spirit, there are some people who think that he's like the weird uncle that shows up at every Thanksgiving and every Christmas. You're like, oh, just, I hope he doesn't show up here today. And I know that maybe there are some of you who are like, can we just please talk about God the Father and God the Son? And can we just leave out the third person of the Trinity and not talk about God the Holy Spirit? Now, I get it, but what a shame. I love what Robert Morris talks about in the book, The God I Never Knew, and I'm not going to tell you exactly how he tells it because I don't remember exactly how he tells it, but he talks about how there are people in the world who are just weird. How many of you have ever met them? Okay. And so he says, those weird people that you've met, if your hand didn't go up, you might be that person. And, uh, And so he said, the weird people that you've met might be coin collectors, right? But it's Coin collecting is not what made them wacky or weird. They were wacky or weird to begin with. And so when we think about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, and you think about some of the weird people that you know, it wasn't the Holy Spirit that made them weird and wacky. They were weird and wacky to begin with. The Holy Spirit is still baptizing people today and giving people power. He's still speaking to people today. And one way that he speaks to us in a very practical way is through the word of God, the Bible, right? Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse number 26, but the helper, who's the helper? The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I've said to you. The enemy would love to knock holes in our faith and try to destroy our faith. The enemy's going to knock at the door and say, let me in. And we're going to need a little more than what the three little piggies had in saying, not by the hair on my chinny chin chin, right? Like as confidently as you just said the nursery rhyme, like we need the word of God to be able to stand against the enemy. The enemy's going to come against us. But as we've studied the word, as the Holy Spirit brings back to our remembrance what God has said, we'll quote scripture like we're more than a conqueror through him who loves me. We'll push up against the door and say, it's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. He keeps knocking and we say, greater is he that's within me than he that's within the world. When the giant comes, we say as David did, the Lord helped me slay the lion. He helped me slay the bear and he'll do the same with you. When the foundation is firm, when the building of faith has been constructed with the things of God, when the enemy is standing at the door, when the rain is falling, when the flood is coming, when the wind is blowing, we can say as 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse number 7 says, God has not given me a spirit of fear but of power and love and self-control. The word of God is powerful. Let's commit to listening to it on Sundays. Let's read it during the week and study and process it with other believers in small groups. The Holy Spirit is our helper. Another way that the Holy Spirit empowers us is through conviction. In John chapter 16, verse number seven, it says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Conviction is an incredible gift of the Holy Spirit. Conviction is, is when the Holy Spirit makes us aware that something that we've done is not right and we sense that something's not right in that. And it gives us an opportunity in that moment then to confess our sins to God who's faithful and just to forgive us when we confess that. 
and to walk in forgiveness and be made in right standing with him. And so it's conviction that keeps our hearts in the right place, and it's conviction of sin that leads sinners to repentance, to turn their lives to Jesus. Now, there's another word that we've talked about at times, and that word is condemnation. Now, condemnation is not a gift of the Spirit. It's not a gift from God. I wouldn't even say it's a gift of the enemy. Instead, it's a horrible work of the enemy. And condemnation is when we've asked God to forgive us of something that we've done in the past, and he's forgiven us. The word of God says that that when we confess our sins to him, that our sins are cast as far as the east is from the west, right? The east is from the west. Let me get turned in the right directions here. That's a long ways. And what the enemy would want to try to make us believe is that God isn't who he says he is, that God doesn't do what he says he will do, and remind us of those sins and keep bringing them up. That's condemnation, right? That's not of God. It's of the devil. But conviction is an incredible gift from the Holy Spirit something that helps us make sure that our hearts continue to be in right standing, in right relationship with him. For those of you who have kids or friends or family members that aren't followers of Jesus, here's a prayer strategy for you. You could pray that Holy Spirit would make them miserable to feel so horrible in the sin that they find themselves trapped in that they'll cry out to Jesus for forgiveness and walk in relationship with him. Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness and intercedes for us. In Romans chapter 8, verse number 26, it says, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we don't know what to to pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is in the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Christians have access to the power and revelation and wisdom from the Holy Spirit. Just as the Apostle Paul wrote to the believers in Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 1, verse number 15. It says, For this reason, because I've heard of your faith in Lord Jesus and your love towards all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him. Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which he's called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance as the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards those, towards us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. Listen, we are living in challenging days. The enemy wants to take you out. But God has sent his Holy Spirit so that that doesn't happen. He sent his Holy Spirit so that doesn't happen. And so we build on the firm foundation of Christ. We look at the correct building blocks, and I think one of those important building blocks is what we talked about last week, which is togetherness. Because when we're isolated, it's easier for the enemy to pick us off. Today, talking about the building block of being empowered by the Holy Spirit. Y'all, he freely gives it. 
When we talk about the weird uncle earlier, I, I, each time I talk about the Holy Spirit, I, I, I make this statement that I pray that your hunger will exceed your hesitancy. That your hunger will exceed your hesitancy, that you'll recognize this incredible gift that, that God has given. Next week, we're gonna talk about the building block of worship. Pastor Levinsky and I are gonna tag team a message. How fun it's gonna be for us to experience a, a worship service and then to talk about this building block of worship with like the best worship pastor on the planet. God desires for all of us to have an enduring faith. And I'm just gonna tell you that the Holy Spirit makes all of us better. Holy Spirit makes all of us better. We can't fight sin in our own strength and in our own power. The Holy Spirit helps us to do that. He is our helper. This week I had an unusual experience on the golf course. So I played nine holes with Pastor Levinsky, with Simon, and with Alyssa, and I was in the cart with Simon, and he's a good golfer. Simon was my helper. Everybody say helper. First hole, I did fine. Look, I golf once or twice a year. So for those of you who aren't golfers, uh, you just check back in in just a second. Those of you who are golfers, you're about to be really impressed. First two holes are fine. Third hole, I step up and I drive that ball. It's a par four. I drive it so far. I didn't even know that a golf ball could fly that hard, that far off of a golf club that I was swinging. And I looked at my helper and I said, what do I do from here? And my helper says, grab that hybrid out of the bag and swing it. So I grabbed the hybrid out of the bag and I swung it. Guys, again, that ball flew up in the air and landed on the green. I was like, what is happening here? More importantly, Simon and Alyssa said, what is happening here? They're like, are we getting hustled in this moment? And so I step up with my putter. I didn't need Simon to tell me that. I'm on the green, like I'm not a golfer, but I'm at least not stupid. And so I, I grab my putter, par four. I put it and I got a birdie. Oh, that's right. I got a birdie. They didn't get a birdie. I don't know if they even got a par on that hole. And I kid you not, they looked at me and they said, who is this guy? Am I telling the truth? telling the truth and I said I don't know who this guy is but the guy that I know is going to show up on the next hole I can assure you of that like I don't know what's happened in these first three holes but but I will make an appearance again y'all I'm telling you when the Holy Spirit gets a hold of our lives when we're not trying to do it in our own strength and in our own power, for the glory of God, people say, who is that guy? Who is that woman? And for us, we don't say, oh, it's me. Instead, we say, it's him, right? Greater is he that's within me than he that's within the world. I'm more than a conqueror through him who loves me. I'm not living this out in my own in my own flesh and in my own strength. I'm living it out by the power of the Spirit. And I'm just telling you, look around this room today. When we let our hunger exceed our hesitancy, when we allow the Holy Spirit to baptize us like the believers who gathered in the upper room in Acts chapter two, there's nothing that can stop us. He's our helper. 
He makes our faith stand stronger than it ever could on our own. I'm gonna ask that you bow your heads and close your eyes all across this room. Maybe there are some of you who've come in today and you've never asked Jesus to be the Lord of your life. You've never asked him to be your savior and to forgive you of your sins. And even right now, the Holy Spirit is convicting your hearts. Like you know that that's you right now. You can sense it and you can feel it. And I'm just telling you, it's a gift from God right now in your heart. He's given you an opportunity to posture your heart towards him, to turn away from sin and turn towards life, to turn away from darkness and turn to light. Maybe there are others of you who at one time walked with God, but the enemy has poked holes in your faith and he's huffed and he's puffed and he's blown your faith over. And you say, today, I I need to see my relationship restored back to my maker. I need to make Christ the firm foundation of my life again. In just a moment, if that's you, you say, I need to ask Jesus to come into my life for the very first time, or you say, I need to see my relationship restored back to him. When I count to three, why don't you slip up your hands all across this room? One, two, three, lift them up all across this room. One, two, two, three, you can put them down. Are there others this morning? Four, are there others this morning? Thank you, God. Let's all stand all across this room. There were at least four hands that went up this morning of people who need to ask Jesus to come into their life for the very first time or who need to see their relationship restored back to him. Here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna lead us in a prayer. And if you raise your hand, I want you to repeat it after me and mean it with everything that's within you. But know that you won't be praying this prayer alone, but that each of us in support of you will also be praying. Let's pray. Say, dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for me. I admit that I'm a sinner. I admit that I've messed up. This morning, I ask for your forgiveness. Come and give me a fresh start. Be my savior, be my king, take over every area, take over every aspect and help me from this day forward to live for you with all of my heart, with all of my soul, with all of my mind, with all of my strength. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give God praise for what he's done this morning. If you prayed that prayer, we would ask that you would text the word yes to 319-250-8998. We wanna encourage you in the decision that you've made today and the journey that God wants to take you on. Again, if you'll text the word yes to 319-250-8998. We leave time at the end of each of our services for people to receive prayer. If you come here today needing prayer for anything, in just a moment, I'd encourage you to take a step out of your seat and come forward. The worship team's gonna lead us in another song. The prayer team's gonna make their way to both of these sides over here. I'm gonna pray, and as I do, I'd encourage you to step out and come forward. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you are the architect and the owner of our faith, that individually, that we, you are working on us, that Christ Jesus, you are our firm foundation, individually and collectively. God, I pray that as we talked about this morning, that you would empower us with your spirit, that you would make us better than what we are. God, as we think about Acts chapter one, verse number eight, where you said to wait for this promise and that when we receive power, we'll be your witnesses to Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. God, we need your power to be the witnesses that you've called each of us to be. 
Holy Spirit, we need your power just to walk and to breathe and to live each day. So we ask, Holy Spirit, would you fall afresh and anew on us today? In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us. We hope that this message was inspiring and encouraging. For more information about this message or about all things Crosspoint, check out our Facebook and head to our website at www.crosspointwaverly.com.